edition. Uh, g'day everyone, welcome to the special edition of the Giddy Up podcast. My name is JT and as always I'm joined by the wonderful, talented Don Elgin. Welcome Donnie. Oh, I tell you what, JT, I, today, I usually say I'm excited, actually, that's a lie. I get excited with oxygen, JT, but today I am jumping out of my skin. And given I've got a COVID blanket going on, I've got a lot of skin to jump out of. So that's how excited I am, mate. Well, it's not surprising you're excited because this is one of our special editions where we get to interview key people that have had an influence on our lives or do something amazing. And today's guest, Donnie, is none other than Mick Duffy. Well, I'll tell you what, mate, I know a little bit about this bloke and I'm really looking forward to uh, exploring a lot more about Mick Duffy today in our in our chat, mostly because, well, he's a man of all seasons, JT. There's not many things that he hasn't done. He's got a uh, a good finger on the pulse of what's going on, the mood of the market, the, uh, the way that the psyche of the country is rolling. And I'll tell you what, I am really, really keen. So without me and you banging on much more, let's get Mick Duffy. Can we get him? Is he on the line? Of course he is. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> hey, Donny, JT, fair intro. How you going, guys? Hey, we yeah, are. Mate, have a look at you. Mate, he's looking where, good, where isn't he, hey? Find you, Mick? Where in the world are you? Mate, I'm, I'm actually sitting in my backyard at the moment. I'm sitting out of my back deck in the backyard, and just as you did that intro, some bloke about two houses away has decided to mow his lawn. So <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys can hear that at your end. Can I, you, can I, you hear that? Is that? I actually can't, end? but I'm half deaf and so is Donny. So uh, just... Oh, mate, I'm the other half deaf. So we're, uh, we're your, your company here, Mick. <laughs> no, mate, oh, we're, we're definitely good to go. And that's what happens when you do these uh, live broadcasts. Things happen, mate, and that's okay because that's a bit like life and that's really what we want to talk to you today about, Mick, is about life because, as Donnie said in the intro, mate, you've done some incredible things and uh, I know you guys built a bit of a connection with Donnie because you both did the um, Kokoda track and uh, yeah. and you've obviously also just come on board as a sponsor of, of Giddy Up Podcast. And so we're going to tackle all of those things and also talk a, bit about, a little bit about you and your family because we know you've had some challenges with, with one of your children uh, and I think those sorts of things really shape you. So uh, we've got lots to unpack in this episode and uh, I want to kick it off and I want to talk about Bloody Kokoda because uh, every time we talk about it, uh, we get some amazing stories and, uh, you know, I think what better to ask you straight away, Mick, of, uh, I guess just as on the whole before we get into detail, how did you find the whole Kokoda experience? Yeah, well, look, the, the Kokoda experience from, from my side was something that, um, oh, it's... Maybe we'll get to how, how it all came about, how we ended up doing it and, and being involved with Don. But Kokoda and Papua New Guinea had been a, a decent part of my life since I was young. Um, we moved over as a family, um, my, my parents and my, my two brothers um, in the sort of mid-80s. Uh, we lived over there for about three and a half years. Um, and uh, we set off uh, on a few different adventures while we were there um, with my, my dad and uncle and, and my brothers. And we actually trekked a couple of days into Kokoda um, and, a, and a couple of days out. I wouldn't say we were overly prepared for it, um, but neither were we when we did it, Donnie. So, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, Papua New Guinea in itself and the adventures and the, and the actual um, the country itself is a, is a beautiful country. Um, Mick, before and, you go on, I've got a couple of bits of uh, advice for you. Next time you've done a couple of days into Kokoda and then you invite me over to go and do bloody eight or nine days, get stuff, mate. A couple could have done it. That would have been great. What were you thinking? Yeah, yeah. I, thought, I think the sell that I had into you, Donnie, was, uh, yeah, and that'll be fine. We've got a lot of time to prepare for this. Um, but little did we know, we had about uh, yeah about three months before we'd take off in the, uh, on the first trek of the season. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but look, um, Kokoda was an experience that, I don't know, Don and I have spoken about it a number of times, and I know you guys have spoken about it on the podcast previously as well, but 
really it, it is one of those experiences where I think it's difficult to explain to someone um, that, that that hasn't been on the track and and hasn't done it because it is such a it's a pretty emotional experience and it's also quite a yeah I, I guess sort of physically taxing experience at the same time as well. So um, yeah, it was it was definitely. Definitely a, a memorable experience, and I know Don, you've gone gone back and uh, and done it again uh, since then, mate. So um, a bit like you, mate. I didn't wise up the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned uh, Mick that it sort of you obviously did it with Don. How, how did that come about? Because you know Don's uh, well, he's never done anything corporate in his bloody life. He's been you know <laughs> pretending he's an athlete and doing this speaking gig for about twenty years, mate. So how does he suddenly end up leading a uh, a trek through the wildernesses on Kokoda as your as your leader? Geez, you're yeah, well, when you say leading, Jade. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, actually, Don and I met, I reckon it was about seven years ago, Don, and I, we're actually at a, at a corporate event. We were doing it pretty bloody tough. We're on, we're on Hamilton Island uh, and we're at, a, uh, <laughs> tough we're at an event. It was a, a, a dinner on the, on the beach uh, and, and I got sat next to Don and, um, and we, got, we got chatting sort of pre-dinner and, and we are getting along pretty well over a, over a, cup, over a couple of drinks and, then the next thing I know, Don's getting introduced up on the stage, and he's um, yeah, he's he's hosting and he's doing his his motivational talking gig. Which, if anyone's seen Don do that, it is a uh, it's a it's a pretty inspiring, special story to to hear. So, yeah, on the on the back and of that, anyone who hasn't seen it, by the way, Mick, anyone who hasn't seen me do a gig, don't worry, you're not going to sign up for Kokoda the day after. <laughs> that was just a bit of a rarity. But anyway, carry on, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yeah, it might have been the drinks that were involved after that that we uh, yeah we, we continued to talk and then we stayed in touch and and, and Don did a number of um, different um, sort of uh, team motivational um, work with us um, at um, at the company I was working with, um, and then we had the, uh, the the thought to to sort of work in some of the the, the company's sort of leadership goals and um, and also work on what we could do and uh, myself and a. Another good mate from work, um, Timmy Green, put together this uh, this trekking adventure to go over to Kokoda, and we thought, who better to lead us than uh, than than Don to take us over there? So that's kind of how it all, all all sort of started off. And yeah, like I said, we didn't have a lot of time to train. I think it was um, I gave Don a call and I mentioned to Don that um, this was something we were considering doing, and would he be interested in coming along? And I, I thought Don might need to to take a couple of days and and have a chat, but. Yeah. About five minutes into the conversation, he said, I'm in, lock me in, we're doing it, let's go for it. So I think that's the way Don rolls and, uh, yeah, that's the way he sort of uh, he tackled Kokoda as well. Yeah, that's exactly that's pretty much my research exactly. time that I use for this podcast. That's exactly right. I was going to say, he's exactly how he rolls, Mick. Um, we'll, we'll have to talk offline because one of the tips I'd love to get from you, Mick, is I've been managing Don for, I don't know, a lot of years and uh, he seems to be get, does a lot of nice gigs on Hamilton Island and all these wonderful places and yet... I've never been to any of them, Mick. So I don't know how you get to have a drink with him, and, uh, and I'm still sitting at my bloody office. So we'll uh, we'll save that one for later. But uh, I'm interested yeah. in the, the physical side of things because Mick, you said you didn't have a lot of time to prepare. To to prepare, and I know where a lot of people do go to Kokoda. It is obviously very physically challenging, and there is a lot of preparation. People are doing huge walks and building up their stamina and all that sort of stuff. And you only had a few months to get ready. So how did you go when you sort of rock up for day one? Did you feel like you were ready or you sort of cooked after the first five minutes? Oh, personally, I, I, I didn't think I was ready, but that's something that I, I, I sort of kept to myself. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm probably on the – I am on the north side of 100, and I knew when I was um, training that the, the preparation, the lead-up to that was going to be important for me to uh, – get my body right and um you know with with don and the rest of the team we went and did the the fire trail at the back of um 
oh, where is it, Mulgrave, Mumbulk up the back, uh, the, the fire trail up there in the Danny Nongs to get us going. Yep. Um, I, d- I did an ankle injury, I think, about uh, about a month out, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is, this is going to be all over. But um, yep. So I wouldn't say I was feeling overly confident uh, going into it from a fitness side of things, um, but when you're in a team environment and you're, in, you know, you're walking as a team, and you've you've got a leader. Uh, I know who was on your podcast, um, uh, Wayne Weatherall Wayne, from Dakota yes. Spirit. Great and um, when you've got a guy like Wayne who is uh, leading the track, knows so much of the story and is such a great storyteller, and and really sort of wills you along with you know the, the background and the story behind it. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's. <laughs> although the, although the fitness wasn't there, it is one of those that, those sort of things that you can just get dragged along by. Um, yeah, by by Wayne, his leadership, and, and and Donnie as well. So, yeah. Interesting you say that, Mick, and, and I know what, what you've said is that, you know, obviously you went with, with Wayne and Kokoda Spirit, and they do a fantastic job in taking groups on. But, of course, you engaged Don as your motivational leader. So just, it's just us now, Mick. I've just cut Don out of the conversation. Did, yeah. he, add, did he add any value at all? Come on. <laughs> well, look, part of the reason for Don coming along, we knew it was going to be – it was going to be – a we're going to have some good fun along the way. So we knew with uh, having Donnie along the way, it was going to be fun. But we also knew that uh, having him there was going to help us motivate us uh, get along. But um, yeah, it was. Hey, it, it was that uh, is the politest way I've ever heard anyone say. And don't forget, we'll get the good parking spots out the front of the supermarket. That disabled parking permit you got, Tom. The I know your agenda, mate. I'll tell you what, hey, Mick, on that too, we're talking about weight and how important it is to be reasonably in good nick. You want to drop Mm. a quick 10 kilo, mate, just have a shave. Have a look at that thing. That is a serious beard that you've got going on there, mate. That's impressive. Mm. Yeah, this sort of started off as, uh, I think when we went into our first lockdown, I didn't really have to to shave or, or go into the office. It kind of started that way. And now we've gone through... Oh, we've just recently come out in, in Melbourne last week of another lockdown, so it's kind of uh, it's 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 hung about this beard. So uh, yeah, who knows? It might be around for a bit longer. Um, hey, J, JT, Mick, Mick, so kindly said in the uh, last podcast we had him in, of course, for the uh, the twelve rounds with uh, JT and Dotty. And one thing that really excited me, and you're sort of skirting around this, JT, you haven't let out with it, but the fact that we are putting our hand up the Giddy Up podcast to go and do. Kokoda, and you've been whinging and trying to give yourself little neck injuries and taking bits <laughs> of your spine out and stuff. <laughs> you knock it out of it. So how good is this that Mick's already put his hand up and he's coming with us, mate? How good is this? Sorry, mate. The, the line was breaking up there, Donnie. I didn't quite catch anything that you said, mate. It's uh, some technical difficulties. But uh, <laughs> well, speaking of that, yeah. have you push record, JT? Uh, I have. Uh, I have push record, Excellent. and uh, you know, I think it's fair to say, and we've been honest with our viewers as we always are, that we actually try recording this uh, last week and yeah I stuffed up and forgot to hit record so we're back uh, doing it again which I guess has given us an opportunity to um, you know refresh our material and, and have another have another crack at it right bingo excellent sure. now now Mick um, obviously you've had a, a fair bit of corporate um, career and as you said that was sort of what led you into doing uh, in this into this but that all finished um, last year in terms of your corporate journey and and you but it, while you were still there or, and now sort of full-time you've really got into your own well, let's just say it's probably most guys' dream. Your own beer company, mate. What's what's the go there? How did uh, the Yarra Valley Big Cat Beer Company come about? Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, how did it come about? Well, the Yarra Valley Big Cat Beer Company is something that uh, we started up. It was um, me and me and two mates. We started it up about eighteen months ago, um, and like a lot of good ideas, it started off over a few beers, talking about um, you know what we 
what we thought we could do in a you know, different space of um, you know the, the beers and the branding and, and storytelling. Um, so uh, that's really where it kind of um, started off from, um, and from there uh, we've we started to develop the brand, the story, uh, and also get the get the beer right. Um, and we launched about uh, about eighteen months ago. So yeah, right. So when you talk about getting, I, sorry, mate, Donny, um, let's just get, go for it. I was just going to say to Mick, Mick, you just described the business case for the Giddy Up podcast. A couple of drinks and a few good ideas, and we'll see you how we go, mate. And uh, however, that sounds like they've actually got it organised, mate. They've actually got a, yeah. a company that's working and selling stuff. We haven't uh, made a dollar, mate, so uh, we need to take some uh, tips We're going to get Mick. some merch soon, Jay. Yeah, so that's true. Maybe, maybe that's what we're, uh, what we're lacking. Um, well, Daddy, I've heard you're into your uh, distilling, uh, recently into your distilling, mate. So, you know, there might be an opportunity there for your, your gins or your vodkas to, uh, to hit the market. Oh, I tell you what, mate, that is part of my recruiting strategy, you see, Mick. So I'm thinking I'm going to have some uh, merchandise as i got legless with Donnie, and I'm just going to actually ply people with some of this homebrew alcohol that I've created. So they'll be legless. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Mick, you, obviously Don did have a crack at making his own stuff, and it's if you've been at Don's place, you know, it, it's it's the man cave everywhere. He's got every gadget known to man. He tries everything. Indeed. Is that how the Yarra Valley Big Cat Beer Company, you just like sort stuff up? We're going to make a bit of our own brew and you're mixing stuff up on your shed or I'm guessing things are a little bit more professional and Donnie's set up. How does that all all come about? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it is a little bit different. The beer that goes into ours uh, is not ones that we're brewing ourselves. I, I have tried the home brew myself. Um, with a with a mate of mine, Hamo, back in the uni days, and we um yeah we did uh, we did try our hand at brew uh, home brewing. We didn't really have the the patience to wait for the whole fermentation process to finish, and we uh, we stopped it a bit early and jacked up the alcohol, and it didn't quite go to go to plan. So we <laughs> we put that on ice. But the, the Yarra Valley that sounds like here. a plan right there, Mick. <laughs> yeah, there were a few sick people the next day after our launch party for that, so we decided to put that one put that one aside. But um. But no, the, we're rest assured we are not brewing the, the Yarra Valley Big Cat beer. Uh, it's it's brewed uh, locally in the Yarra Valley out of Hillsville, um, and it's brewed in uh, Watts River Brewery, which is um, the two head brewers uh, who used to brew for White Rabbit Brewery, which is previously based out in in Hillsville and was bought out by Lion Nathan about four years ago now. So they stayed on in Hillsville, um, and they really know what they're doing, and they um, they brew up uh, excellent beers, and they and they brew up our range of um, Yarra Valley Big Cat beers as well. Fantastic. So what's your PD, Mick? Do you just have to go in and do tastings every Thursday night, or how's that <laughs> Yeah, that's my job title, professional taster. Uh, yeah, getting the temperature right and ensuring that uh, yeah, we're, we're all fine on that front. Um, on a serious note, I guess obviously you've got the professionals that, as you said, do make the beer and they've got the right facilities to do that. Is your influence really around just the taste and 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 having input into the the different hops and all the sorts of stuff that you use to create the flavours that you're looking for? Yeah, well, really, from from our side, we know that um, yeah, that's that's their area of expertise as far as um, making great beer, and they've been doing that combined for about twenty five years, making really good um, craft beers. So, um, yeah, we've um, we definitely did try a lot of different beers to to find which ones we th- thought would be the best. Research, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, research. yeah, we did a lot of that. Hope that was tax deductible too, was it? <laughs> yeah, we did keep the receipts, which we can remember. Uh, but um, but yeah, I guess. Um, 
having the having the right beer is is obviously really important. And, and we know these are these are craft beers, and we, we we love our beers. But we know after drinking a few craft beers that they, you know, you, you probably then switch back to to what you know. So we wanted really easy drinking craft beers that can be sessionable, uh, and that's what we've created with um, with Yarra Valley Big Cap Beer. Um, but we also knew that we needed to have um, some really strong branding and a strong story behind it. So. Um, I guess the, the three of us that are in uh, Big Cat, which is Dan, Bob and myself, all bring, um, I guess, some, some different expertise into the, into the branding and into the, into the product itself. So, yeah, that's how it came about. JT, how, how good is that, though? Like, you just think about the, the Big Cat beer company, right? And if there's anything more Aussie than having Dan, Mick, Bob, like this is a dead set Aussie beer right here, isn't it? It absolutely is. Tell me about the um, – it's a long name, Yarra Valley Big Cat Beer Company. Um, I'm assuming there's a bit of a story behind the Big Cat sort of reference side of things. How, how did you come up with the name? Yeah, look, it, it, it is a long name. Uh, when you're registering a business, you, you're worried that someone else might have the name. We're lucky on that front. No one else has got Pretty the Yarra Valley. Yep. <laughs> they run out of letters after about the first three words. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, obviously where the beers brewed is out there in the Yarra Valley in Hillsville where a lot of great, you know, produce and, um, yeah, and, and, and beers and, and distilleries are. Um, so we wanted to leverage the name there, but also the, the big cat. So the big cat is all about this mystery and intrigue of these supposed uh, big cats and panthers that roam the Australian outback. Um, you know, you've got the Otways panther, the Blue Mountains, and also the Yarra Valley uh, panthers as well, and big cats with these sightings, which date right back to the, to the late 1800s. So uh, really creating that story around this mystery and intrigue, um, and we've we've teamed up with a few, um, uh, I guess a, a few professionals in this area. Um, some um, some boys called the the Big Cats Victoria. Uh, these are two two guys that have been in their seventies that have been on the trail of the big cats for about the last thirty years. So they are great to sit down and have a uh, have a chat with, and the and the sightings and the and the reports that they get in about these big cats. And we're also linked up with a. Uh, another podcast, um, which is called the um, uh, the Missing Panther podcast, and yeah, there you see the, the the hunt documentary. So there's there's a lot of interest in this story of the the big cats and the big cat sightings out there in Australia, and we're, we're yeah we're sort of leveraging that story through our brand and our naming. I love it. I love it. Have you seen a big cat, Mick? I have not. No, I haven't seen a big cat. Um, but it's it's funny, you know when. when since starting this and, uh, and you know, we've been at different markets and had conversations with people, the amount of stories that I've heard of people that have had, uh, you know, sightings or know of someone or have heard of someone that, that has had a sighting of these, um, these big cats out in the Australian outback is, um, yeah, it's pretty... Yeah, it's pretty staggering, but there's been no hard evidence of proof of, uh, you know, uh, a body, and it's always sort of grainy photos or, or videos that we see. So the mystery is still, uh, is still well and truly out there. Hey, big Mick, uh, JT's a bit of a pussy lover. Like he's got Oscar, who is the <laughs> he's got the uh, the most oh entertaining cat we've got on this podcast. Cool as cool as all get up. Now he has got history. Now JT, have you seen a big cat? Because I think you you've had a sighting, haven't you? I, I remember seeing something when I was a bit younger. Yeah, I grew up in sort of outback. Um, I spent a lot of time growing up in outbound sort of Cranbourne way before it was what it looks like today. And uh, it looks like a, just another bloody suburb these days. But it was absolutely <laughs> rural back then. You know, there was trees everywhere and you'd build your cubby houses and all that sort of stuff. And, I, yeah, I definitely remember seeing um, something big in the bushes and it sort of ran off um, pretty quickly. And, again, if I had a camera, it would have been grainy footage.
footage and uh, you know trees in the way as well, probably. But yeah, hundred percent. I was I was with my stepbrother at the time, and we just thought, what the bloody hell was that? You know, and um, have no idea what it was. But it was certainly not a domestic cat, uh, and you know, it wasn't. I don't think it was a tiger or anything, but it was a bloody. It was big, whatever it was, and it moved pretty quick. So uh, yeah, definitely. Does that does that count? Mate, there might know. be a spot for you, the uh, the Yarra Valley big cat. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you, you, never, you never know. Now, speaking of Yarra Valley, you said you've uh, co-founded it with a couple of mates. Um, looking at your, your website, I'll just quickly switch it on there for those that are watching the podcast, not listening to it. Um, you know, it's it's obviously very well put together. You've got some great imagery, the, the, the top, topography, everything looks really good, mate. It's a very polished site and the branding on the bottles and everything is really well done. Is that Did you engage sort of marketing professionals or given your background with marketing, is that where the other two have come from and that's how it all came about? Yeah, well, yeah. Look, I said um, Dan and, and Bob and, and myself, Tony. Uh, there, uh, we um, we've we've got different backgrounds. Um, we are we are really good mates, but um, you know, I guess we started off uh, working professionally together. So we've we've worked together for about the last um, last fifteen years. Um, um, Dan, who I've I've worked sort of closely with, and um, yeah, he's he's into uh, account management so sales and account management for fmcg brands and products into different sort of channels so he's really good from the from the sales and um also uh gaining ranging of the product i've I've also got my marketing background with the i guess the the story and the branding behind it um and yeah as you referenced there with the with the website and the and the labels and uh and, and everything we see from the imagery uh is through bob who who owns and runs his own advertising agency called Rhubarb Creative. So it's um, yeah, definitely definitely handy uh, having um, having having I guess the, the three of us with a bringing a bit of um, I guess our, our own expertise to the table to, to bring the brand together for sure. Yeah, you got some handy mates hey, with the right skills. It sounds like yeah. <laughs> yeah, unlike JT and I, bloody same same, good for nothing. But uh, we we need to branch out, JT. This is what we're learning through this podcast: is we need different skill sets. So. Uh, fortunately for you, you haven't had to chop a leg off, so that's one bit that you can have everything else. You are the gadget guru, though, so there might be space in the in the big cat gadget guru yeah, yeah. department. You never that, know. Uh, and, Mick Scott. And, and like like you, Donnie, I know that early on we we reached out to your celebrity network um, to you know put a bit oh, of star yeah. power onto the show. Now that lasted about four episodes, mate. I was a little bit disappointed. Well, I <laughs> um, yes, I know. I thought I had a little bit more class. I actually thought a couple of them would return my call, especially <laughs> since I got their number from knocking on their bathroom windows. Anyway, back to uh, Mick and far more important things. Now, Mick, I've seen those bottles. They're very, very impressive. Now, JT's got a few nicknames like the male model and I see all your bottles have got, your beers have got different names. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, they do. Yeah, so we've got we've got. Well, we we started off with a core sort of four range, and now I think we've got about six or, or seven. But our our names all link back to the the big cats themselves. So we've got a, a legendary lager, um, we've got a fabled IPA, an elusive stout. Uh, we've also got a um, a roaring XPA uh, there as well, and a mysterious ale. Uh, so each of the names sort of have that link back to the. Uh, the, the mystery around these uh, these big cats. So yeah, as I said, it sort of um, it started out. We are in big bottles there, Dom. We're in um, six hundred and forty mil long necks, which you don't see around very often uh, these days. But um, yeah, on brand with uh, with being big, we're we're available in the big six hundred and forty mil long necks in our range too. Yeah. 
And is there a particular order they should be sampled, Mick? Like, do you start with a, you know, something a bit mystery and wind up with a, like, we're going to scratch your eyes out? Or what's that? How's that go? I don't think there's a vehicle we're going to scratch your eyes out. But anyway, how is it? <laughs> uh, not yet. The big cat could scratch your eyes out, Donnie. That might be, it might be a, new, uh, a new product for us in the, in the future. But, um, yeah, look, you can. I, I guess you can. Yeah, you can, you can start wherever you like with our beers. Um, yeah, they, they, there's different variations of alcohol. That legendary lager there is a is a mid strength, um, and we sort of make our way up in alcohol content. That fabled IPA has got a bit of a kick to it. That's around six point six percent. So, um, yeah, maybe you want to you want to start with the lower ones to make you uh, make your way up. I'd recommend. Now, uh, I did speak about star power, mate, and uh, I said Donnie's Donnie's just well useless, really. Let's be honest. But it we looks like any- you uh, you guys know what you're doing. You've you've got Merrick Watts, I can see there. He's uh, yes. giving your brand a bit of a shout out. How did uh, how did that come about? Well, look, it, it, it came about as far as uh, I guess just just reaching out and, and seeing an opportunity. You know, starting out and um, you know, doing this. Basically on the on the side, um, we've started to build it up a, a little bit more. But um, yeah, looking for opportunities to to, to get those with uh, a bit of influence, talking our brands up, and just reaching out to um, the likes of Merrick Watts, who I've been a big fan of uh, since his Triple J days. And um, our beers are brewed out at Watts River, so there's a link there. And uh, I know he's a local boy, uh, grew up around um, Altham Way. So when he got back to us, um, he definitely heard of Watts River, and he played for the Altham Panthers, which was all about that mystery of the uh the panthers up there so we sent him a few beers and he was uh he was good enough to give it a sample and um and share that on so yeah it's good well done good work donny well take played, mate. that's take where note. we're going wrong mate we've got we haven't been giving our superstars anything we've just said they've got a chance for a date with you jt and then you've <laughs> stuffed that up and you've tugged yourself off the market so oh, you're killing me yeah, sorry about that but i am very happy thanks anyway for the <laughs> um now um Obviously, um, when you start a beer company, um, as you said, you started with a few mates and, you know, you often hear stories around, you know, don't mix work and pleasure. And, uh, you know, especially when you're building a brand, there's so much going on, right? As you said, you've got marketing, you've got sales, you've got websites, you've got production, you've got distribution, you've got all these different elements. Um, You know, have you guys sort of butted heads on anything or are you actually finding that, you know, because you've got a bit of history together, it's, it's all gelling well so far? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, we, we definitely. I was sort of wary of that, you know, at the at the start when we were sort of going into into this with um with mates, and you know, you hear that saying you, you shouldn't go down that path. But yeah, as, as I mentioned earlier, we'd sort of, I guess we'd we'd sort of lived through that, and we'd been you know, working professionally together, you know, through through different ways or forms for about the last um sort of fifteen years or so that we'd um that we'd worked together. So I, I think we we felt pretty comfortable and sort of respected each other on on that front. Um. And uh, yeah, look. So far, it's been yeah. We've kind of got our got our roles to play, and we yeah we have a have a debate every now and again. But yeah, so far it's it's working well. And I think it may be part of that is the fact that you know we've um we we became good mates through our you know, through our work initially. So yeah. Yep, hey Mick, just for a sec, just hang on a moment. JT, were you just using Mick to let me know that you know this is the end of us? Is that what you were doing? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I mean, you know, as much as you do hear, obviously, that uh, mates in business doesn't often end well, but you also hear the opposite. And I think sometimes that's some of the most successful businesses. And you only have to look no further than the Atlassian guys um, in Australia who went from nothing to a you know multi-billion-dollar uh, company who live next door to each other and are still best mates. Um, absolutely, it can be done. And I think because you, you've got a common grounding, if you all believe in what you're doing, 
uh, I think that puts you in a really good position. And and obviously, when it comes to uh, to creating a good brand and a nice beer, uh, it's a really good starting point, isn't it? Yeah. Now, yeah, I, I think it is, and we we love catching up. And I think we launched really in November last year, so we only really had a few months, and we launched into kegs. So we were trying to get ranging into bars and um, and pubs and the like around Melbourne, which we quite successful with doing and then um all of a sudden COVID hit we needed to think a bit differently so we um yeah we then had a chance then to to get together and work out what we're going to do over over a few more beers and um yeah we ended up uh yeah putting our beers into bottles and delivering them where they they went pretty well they sold out there so we thought you know what next so this is um this has now sort of become a, a little bit more commercial but yeah it's definitely been fun uh doing it with mates as well yeah, yeah. So, Mick, just on that, like we, we often take the piss on the Giddy Up podcast, which you're probably going to find hard to believe. But uh, <laughs> just for any young listeners out there, you said that when COVID hit, you went from kegs, you put it into bottles, and then you were out delivering. So were, were you guys, the founders, like the people involved, actually physically out there delivering the beers? Yeah, 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 we were, yeah. We, we were. And uh, Mel, my wife, uh, she was um, – she was very handy at uh, at doing delivery. She'd work out the route that we needed to take and uh, and do it a bit quicker. I was a pretty bad Uber driver when I was doing my deliveries. I'd uh, I'd sort of start the furthest point away and then make my way back. So uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're delivering them. Uh, we're delivering them in big uh, two liter growlers at the start that we were emptying the kegs out of, uh, and then um, yeah, moving into 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 the long necks and they were pretty popular during lockdown donny people uh probably didn't know those, those initial lockdowns um when they were getting a big two litre growler delivered on their door uh we were finding we were picking up the empties uh, a few days later and delivering them full again so it might have been a bad way to start <laughs> absolutely look it's so critical though isn't it like the 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 lesson for younger players is that you've got to get your hands dirty and and we see like people you know aspire to have a the giddy up podcast success that jt's been able to create for us and we've said you know what at some point could you got to start somewhere it usually it starts in well we start in jt's bedroom but still you've got to start somewhere and i love hearing that you're not afraid to get your hands dirty mate so bloody good on you i love it no, no, I agree. Well done, and that's the truth. Most businesses start with a lot of bloody hard work and not much luck. It's uh, it's all you know. They're saying the harder the harder I work, the luckier I get, right? Um, and I think that's the case. But you know, as as you would know with any brand, uh, at the end of the day, especially for you guys, it, it ultimately comes down to the product. You know, the best marketing in the world. But if people taste your beer and it's crap, they're not going to buy it again. And so I think it's a, a really good sign that um, obviously you've, you've now you know selling your beer over multiple formats, if you like, uh, and uptake is continuing, mate. So it sounds like you've got something right i'm not a huge beer drinker as you know but um i think it's clearly the evidence is there that what you've actually done and the time you put in and the people you've engaged to make the beer it's all heading in the right direction jt when you've got a gold sponsor of the giddy up podcast who is a beer manufacturer we become beer beer. drinkers my friend (laughs) (laughs) in fact the only beer i ever drink is the yarra valley big cat beer (laughs) company beer beer. that's my beer it's my go-to beer every time <laughs> True story. Uh, um, yeah, so we, we say we're our number one customer, the three of us, which we probably are still at the moment, but hopefully that uh, that changes then. Oh, well, yeah, well, that's true. And I guess if you're not drinking your own beer, then that's probably not a great sign, is it, mate? So yeah, that's uh, it's actually probably not your best marketing. It's uh, good good to hear. <laughs> now, aside from uh, you know from doing Kokoda and working corporately in marketing and and launching your own beer brand, um, you're also a dad of three. Yes, I am. I am a yeah, dad of three. Um, my three uh, three children. Uh, my daughter Emma, who's nine. My son Tom, who's six. Uh, and little Max, who is. 
three who's sleeping at the moment. Uh, he could he could storm in and make a guest star appearance at any point, so beware of that. But um, yeah, father father of three, and that's why I'm sitting outside at the moment. Actually, to try and um, it's the quietest place. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I hear you. The lawnmower has stopped at the. 30-minute mark, so that's good. Maybe we can hear the rest of the podcast now. You need to go and give him a beer and stop him, uh, get him off the lawn. Uh, um, CJT never stopped working. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, now, I know um, you, you've been uh, quite open about um, your eldest daughter, Emma, and um, she's had some some difficulties um, growing up. So I'd love to sort of share that story because I think it's quite remarkable not just sort of, I guess it's quite a quite a rare disease that I'm sure you're going to tell us all about, but obviously just how much hard work that is as a parent. And uh, you know, I'd love to sort of talk about that and how you've actually coped with, with that side of things as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, Emma, as I mentioned, she's our our oldest uh, child. With um, my, my wife Mel and I, that was our first child that we that we had. Um, and yeah, when Emma was born, um, on about day two, we we knew something was um, something might have been up. She started having um, started having some seizures and was and was rushed to the children's hospital on on day two. And um, yeah, we spent a, a, a lot of time in the in the children's, and, and we have um, and we have spent some some long some long stints in there um, with the condition that she was diagnosed with later on down the track um, called Sturge Weber syndrome, um, which is a, a very rare neurological condition. Um, it's um, I guess it, it presents physically with a birthmark, uh, Port Weinstein, that covers um, that, that covers the face um, most commonly, um, and that, that that Port Weinstein birthmark can also cover eyes and the and the brain as well. Um, when it covers the brain, um, it, it comes with some uh, some complications through uh, seizures and, and development, and the eyes uh, comes with some some challenges with um, glaucoma. Um, and Emma's condition is bilateral Sturge Weber, so um, she has uh, the rarest form of the condition where the, the birthmark is on both sides of her brain and uh, and on her eyes as well. So, yeah, she's um, yeah she's she's one tough girl, and she's been through uh, she's been through a lot in the nine years that um, yeah that that she's been with us. But um, yeah, it's definitely been a uh, I guess a. A big learning curve for, for Mal and I, understanding what's involved with the condition and, um, and yeah, how we can best care for her for sure. Absolutely. Mick, when she was born, um, you said the port wine stain, you know, she's got bilateral on both sides of her brain. Did she have the port wine stain on her face as well? Yeah, she did, yeah. So her, her port wine stain covered, yeah, about 70% of her face. Um, and uh, initially we thought it was um, bruising and, you know, you hear about um, what else it might be. and. Yep. Uh, yeah, then we yeah you start to draw your own conclusions by going to to Google and uh, you know that's it's probably just the common or you know, probably the natural way to go. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, you start to start to learn about um, about different things and, and Sturge Weber is what we started to to learn about and eventually what we um, yeah what she was diagnosed and what we what we live with. How, how did you go? I mean, I put myself. I've got two children, and it was there for the birth of both. And I know Donny's Donny's similar with his kids. Um, it's it's a, an incredible experience. As, as we were know as father, we don't we do bugger all. Obviously, the women are doing all the hard work. Um, yeah, they're having high fives, beer tasting. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Life. I actually nearly fainted in, my, in the second time. JT, I, just, I did faint. Yeah, yeah. It's go, very common, apparently. But uh, um, <laughs> but um, back to this. So you've obviously um, when Emma's born, you've sort of I guess physically you've looked at it and gone, okay, something's not. not 
not quite right what you sort of always picture in your head what you're going to meet nine months later um and it just would have been it's tough enough when you have a child with what was sort of the words terrifying would be what i would probably use to describe going oh my god what's what's going on and helplessness and i don't know and can anyone tell me something it would have been incredibly confronting for both you and and for your beautiful wife yeah yeah it was yeah like i guess when you have your first child it's a bloody big learning experience in itself uh and then you know from uh, i guess the, the experience that, that, that we obviously had with with not knowing and i guess not having the answers and not um yeah not quite knowing what was um you know what was next and um spending uh, quite an extended amount of time in in hospital after after the birth was um yeah it was one of those yeah one of those things that um yeah well yeah it, it, it was tough yeah yeah i, I bet Sorry, Don. Yeah. Did you um did it did Mel go through a uh, like a blamey exercise? I remember when I was born, you know, a couple of bits missing the likes. Mum, she sort of there was a fair bit of this is my child. I'm I'm responsible. Like, did you did, was there any guilt associated with with you or Mel, or, or how did you uh, process that? Because it's it's clearly, you know. You don't want to say anticlimax, but it's certainly not what you're expecting when you rock up to the birth suite, is it? Like you, you you've got plans, and and this flips the plans on the head. So how did you, you emotionally cope with that? Yeah, um, yeah. Look, yeah, like I said, it was it was probably one of those um, experiences as a new parent is is always always challenge. And then um, yeah, I guess when um, when you're dealing with um, your child not being well. You, you, you do look for answers, and you're looking for answers as to as to how this has, has come about. And there were no signs of that during the pregnancy, and it is just one of those, um, I guess, really rare, uh, random conditions that that can come. So yeah, we definitely had some um, you know, some hard times at the start, um, coming to to understand what it was, and coming to to, to learn and live with the the condition. Um, yeah, the yeah the, the initial stages were yeah they were, they were pretty tough. And tell me, mate. You said you've got uh, obviously Tom and Max, uh, the boys. Yep. What happens? What happens when you, when you, you're obviously looking at Emma. Incredible amount of hard work and patience goes into raising a child with needs. There's no question about that. Special needs is is draining on on families. Did you did you consider? You know what this is it for us did you did you contemplate no nah, it's without question we're going to have more kids what went through your head then yeah look we, 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 we yeah, initially when we're spending so much time uh you know with with doctors and specialists and um and and also in the hospital and, and ambulance trips and yeah it, it, it was all all consuming and, and, and we, we didn't think we'd be able to have um more children but um, you know, we, we reached out um, after a while to, to to understand if there were others living with this this condition. There's nothing specifically set up in Australia. Um, it is quite rare. We know of about a dozen um, families with Sturge Weber you know, dealing with Sturge Weber in, in Australia. Um, I'm sure there's more. Um, that, that's all we know of. But yeah, we reached out to an American Sturge Weber Foundation who put us in touch with. Um, with a couple of families and we're fortunate enough to, to have uh, a family come down and, and meet with us and, and have dinner and, uh, and and that had some other kids and it sort of opened up our eyes to, to, to know that it is, um, yeah, it's possible. So uh, we're, and yeah, we're, we're so glad we, um, yeah, we obviously did. We've got, we've got Tom who's um, who's six and, and Max is three. Um, those two are those two are goers for sure, uh, but they're also so protective of uh, of their you know their, their big sister Emma. You know, sort of the, the so big brothers certainly up. it's not hereditary, Mick. The boys don't have Sturge Weber. No, it's not hereditary. No, there's no um yeah there's no signs of uh, of that in any cases. Um, yeah, what we we know of. Um, 
uh, yeah, across the world. So yeah, we've yeah we, we have been we have been fortunate to yeah to, to to meet some great families along this journey as well that um you know that that, that have have lived with it. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a quick good story. Um, it's a pretty unbelievable story to even think of now. But we had a long stint in in the children's hospital, probably when Emma was about two. Um, and uh, and one night, um, this, this sounds like it's uh, this sounds like it's not true, but uh, it is. And I've I've gone back sometimes and, and looked at these emails. But I was staying up late in the in the hospital ward, and I was looking through um, my hotmail account, which I don't check very often. And there was an email from the Sturge Weber Foundation talking about a conference that they were going to be hol uh, holding in about six months' time in Chicago for families living with Sturge Weber. Um, and I read through that and thought, wow, that sounds like, you know, something that would be great to attend, but it would obviously be challenging for us to get there. Um, and directly above that was an email from Qantas, uh, and Qantas was celebrating their 10 millionth frequent flyer membership, and they were giving away 10 $1 million frequent flyer points. Um, so um, I, I sent a note out to, I've got a great group of um, mates who predominantly I've uh, yeah, known from, from high school years and also from, from working with, and, and sent them out a note saying, you know, th this is happening, you know, in 25 words or less, um, I've got a bit of an idea where we might be able to enter this competition and you know, say that we've got an opportunity to take ourselves and other families in Australia over to America for this conference. And um, uh, one of my mates, Kieran, uh, uh, was quite entrepreneurial and he, uh, he he worked out that there was a few different ways of entering this. And um, and sure enough, uh, all my mates entered and uh, and Kieran got a phone call and I still remember he called me and said, mate, I've had a call from Qantas and you've you've won the million uh, million frequent fly points, which was just unbelievable. So we were fortunate enough to meet another great family called the Lonigans in, um, in Queensland, who have got a, a little girl uh, who's, who's Emma's age and has um, just a bit younger than Emma and has bilateral Sturge Weber as well. So we were fortunate enough to be able to take them over to Chicago with us and, and meet about 50 families that are living with Sturge Weber. So for us, that was just a, that was a game changer and uh, to see that, um, yeah, the, the different ways and different stories and the others out there that are living with it was just, yeah, awesome. We, we hear a lot, we, of, we hear a lot crap of about the uh, about the internet and some of the junk that is around there, including the Giddy Up podcast. But uh, it's awesome to to hear some of the good that can happen out of uh, out of the website, and not only that, just your mates all kicking together and uh, what a, what a great outcome and and to make that connection, the personal connection with others going through it, no matter what your condition, I, I just think is just obviously so valuable, and and that's I guess given you the the confidence to go forward, and you've now got two beautiful sons to to join your family. I, I want to ask, how's the progress of Emma now? Nine years in, um, sort of, how, how's she travelling? Yeah, so um, yeah, nine years in, she's um, yeah, she's, she's it, it's a condition that you you always always live with. Um, Emma is um, she's non-mobile, she's she's non-verbal. Um, uh, she's on a number of medications a, a couple of times a day to, um, to to work with her condition. She has different therapies and, and appointments that she has, but um, yeah, she's been she's been really good over the last couple of years. She she stayed out of trouble and, um, and stayed out of um, stayed out of the hospitals apart from appointments. Um, and she's she's just such a happy such a happy kid. You know, she's going to um, she's going to a school uh, called Belmore in in Bourne, uh, not far from here. Um, yeah, great teachers and making some some really great friends there. So yeah, she's a she's such an incredible little girl. Like I said at the start, and she's um, yeah, she's a she's she gives us a lot of strength, our, our family, and um, and yeah, I think friends that have seen what she's got through and done, and the and the way that uh, yeah, how happy she is. It's um, yeah, it's, it's great. We wouldn't change it at all. 
Now we can hear the love, mate, coming through in your voice, which is um, very, very clear. And I think she, she sounds like she's gone to a great home, mate, because um, I know for a lot of parents that they just couldn't deal with it. And I think it takes a very special kind of um, human being to have that much empathy, love and care uh, for another human being. And, of course, you, you do anything for your children. But um, I think, mate, to do that for, for nine years and speak with so much love says a lot about you and obviously... Uh, your friendship. So we're, we're super excited that we can be just this tiny little part of the journey, mate. And uh, I know you've done a lot of fundraising in the past to, to help raise awareness of the, uh, the condition and, uh, you know, we, anything, of course, we can do or if others want to help. Um, is there a good place that they can go to do that? I know I've asked without notice here, but um, is there a yeah. local foundation that, that can help or Facebook page, etc.? Worst case uh, scenario, no. Mick, I've got a bank account. We can just make it a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be the way. Well, look, when we when Don and I did Kokoda, um, uh, my, my wife and I, Mal, did start up uh, this Grace of Emma Duffy Foundation, which was a way of being able to, you know, part of walking Kokoda was was raising these these funds for, for families that are living with the condition in Australia. And that was just, yeah, you know, just added another element to the to the trek. Uh, and um, my mum, along with some of her close friends and, and my dad have done some some great fundraising with um, with various um, sort of uh, events and dinners that they've ran. So yeah, we've got a great support network with our, our, our family, um, my wife's parents, my parents, um, um, my brothers and, uh, and, and mates as well. So yeah, there's, um, there's a heap of support out there, which is which is great. And you know, I think you talk about Kokoda and you mentioned it um, before, JT, about um, you know, the, the experience of, of walking that. And um, I think I might have mentioned it on the trek, Don, that, you know, you walk into those places where you're basically in the middle of, you're in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's no power. There's, you know, they're, you know, they're living with no running water. And you know, I, I sort of thought to myself while we're walking along that track that, you know, if Emma had, had, had been born into a family like this, that, um, yeah, it would have been a, a totally different story. So... Um, yeah, we're yeah we're so grateful she's come our way, and so grateful for what she's been able to. I guess the the strength and you know, inspiration she's given to others as well. So, absolutely, mate. And you talked about uh, your mum and dad, Pete and Rita Corsay, recently celebrated their fiftieth uh, wedding anniversary. That's right. Yes, that's a uh, a cracking effort. Talk about uh, you know a uh, an incredible woman for uh, right to hang around with Pete for bloody fifty years. <laughs> that's <laughs> he's a character. Though. He's a cracker. Good on him. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's it's pretty special. Yeah, we did have um, we did have a bit of a celebration planned last weekend, but the. COVID got in the way, but we had a um, we had a bit of a, a barbecue and a few drinks around at our place uh, yesterday for them. So it was um, yeah, good effort and um, yeah, no, they're uh, yeah, they're, they're great, great, great parents, great, great support for us. So yeah, bit of fun. Good to know you got great Excellent. support around you, Mick. Now I do want to ask you what's next because you uh, you wound up your corporate gig sort of late last year, I think it was, um, and uh, obviously the the beer company's going well. And um, but what what are you sort of next on the career front for you? Yeah, so look, I've, I've, I've worked in the in, in the corporate game for about fifteen years in in marketing, and and towards the end of the last year, um, my role became redundant after after fifteen years, and uh, in, as a result, I became redundant as well. So, it's been a bit of um, it's been a been a bit of sort of strange feeling finding myself not working um, since since that period in December, um, and having a bit of a think about what. To, uh, what um, what to do next? Um, the beer is great. Um, really enjoying the, um, the the beer, as I mentioned, with the tasting, but also with um, with the marketing and also the sales side of it. Um, it's something we'll definitely continue to do. Um, it's probably not something to do full time just yet. Um, but yeah, after a fair bit of consideration, um, 
Mel and I have um, have decided only just over the last week or so to um, to try our hand at um, going out on our own. Mel's got a, a marketing background as well. She's been a buyer, a fashion buyer, and also a book buyer for for Borders. Um, and obviously, when when Emma was born, uh, and and also the other kids, she's, she's put her career uh, sort of um, on hold to to care for Emma and the and the kids. So um, we're using this now as a bit of an opportunity for us to 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 try and give it a red hot crack of uh, of having a sort of marketing consulting business. Um, and um, yeah, we're it's a bit daunting, but it's also uh, it's also pretty exciting. So um, yeah, it's very very new, and we're we're starting out. But um, fingers crossed, we can uh, make a go of it. Hey Mick, tell um, Mel, stress not mate, I have got a shitload of books left over, so if she's still in the book buying industry, <laughs> I've got a few for her to buy. <laughs> yes, I'll let her know that. One foot on the podium, one foot beyond the podium, Donny. We'll, oh, um, we'll get back work, there, another, another print run. No, nice he never work. stops working. This no, is no, brilliant. He's good. He's I love, smooth, not even a segue that I was holding up for you to get that plug in either. Thanks. <laughs> no, we, if only we knew some people, Donny, that were great at marketing and could help us with our show. It, um... Well, <laughs> tell you what. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll tell you, can you imagine those the initial meetings, JT? Of course, I'd have to start off the same way as the big cat beer company started <laughs> no doubt it's over a few drinks, over a few yeah yeah but um, it sounds like it's got legs to me so uh, uh well it's look, got me covered um all the best for the uh for the <laughs> upcoming business man it's very exciting when you launch your own business you already know what's ahead of you uh i guess having a bit of exposure with the beer company that it is a lot of hard work but it's also incredibly rewarding and uh incredibly exhilarating uh so we wish you all the best for that and of course we'll uh as soon as you've got your your website made and your branding and all that sort of stuff sorted we'll, we'll give you a shout out on the show if people are looking for some some marketing services what better to uh to reach out to uh to yourself we want jt we won't have to give him a shout out mate we're getting mick on he can bloody give himself a shout out. Uh, well this is very very true you'll be joining us most weeks to uh to help give away uh some great prize packs so people get to uh, have a bit of a sample taste and uh make great marketing strategy clearly mick because he knows that once they've tasted it they're just going to be buyers for life hooked. so it's brilliant, hooked, brilliant. Mate, hooked. that's, that's why, how we are yeah. jt hooked yeah, well, I'd use other words to describe us. That was probably not one of them. So, mate, thank you so much, Mick, for joining us. I know um, as much as we laugh and say, mate, you, you're unemployed and what, what are you doing? You're a bum all day. The reality is, mate, uh, there's a lot going on with a beer company launching your own. You've got three kids that you're trying to manage as well. So I really appreciate you taking the time out again, uh, to, again. <laughs> to record this with us. <laughs> JT, Tony, really appreciate it, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Oh, you're a champion, mate. What a superstar. How lucky are we, JT, to have the great Nick Duffy join us for an in-depth special edition, mate. Awesome, mate. Thanks, Nick. Good on you. See you next time.